0: jones household um as many of you know i still sleep in a twin bed i'm six foot six 225 pounds i live in a studio apartment you gotta do what you gotta do um but dude like i'm turning 26 soon i'm getting a little bit older like i'm maturing i'm maturing in my ways i bought a scented candle um, uh recently hold
1: on hold on hold on what's the scent this is big
0: um oak oak woods oak tree sandalwood was it's, it sandalwood hold on, hold on hold on hold on it's one of those ones where you light it and it it, it like crackles like firewood. it's the
1: wood wick it's the, the wood wick the wood wick bro i have five of those right behind me <laughs> perfect choice in candle mad respect bro, okay it's
0: it's fantastic um
1: yeah but that's not
0: even like the 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 centerpiece of of what i oh. bought um so I feel like I made a major purchase in in my mid twenties. I bought bath mats for the very first time the other week. Um, never, <sighs> never in my life have I ever thought that I needed a bath mat, but I walked into Target yes a couple of weeks ago and I was like, you know what, it's time.
1: So I have many thoughts. When you're hyping <laughs> up this purchase, you're talking about scented candles, uh-huh. crackling candles like this. Yes. Like those are great. Then you're talking about how you have a twin bed and how there has been a big purchase in the Jones household, and so my mind immediately goes to you, you this man. You thought I bought
0: a bed. You thought I bought. A has bed.
1: upgraded. He's he's yeah like like he's got one of those couches that turns into a bed now. Like he's yeah. high rolling, and you bought a single bath mat. A sing a singular bath mat.
0: But here's here's the wow. Thing. I, I don't I don't notice a difference. I'm not like, oh, wow, now I'm stepping on carpet and my feet are wet. Like, I don't feel like, it, <laughs> I don't feel like, wow, this is an amazing part of my life. Um, I felt like I bought it because that's what I was, I, that's
1: what I'm supposed to buy. Yes. I, yes. Like, I, I When you have like, company over. Yes. And exactly. they use the bathroom. Exactly. It's yeah. like, holy crap, this guy has a bath mat. That's
0: what I'm saying. I want people walking and yeah. feeling like I have my life together when they look at my bathroom.
1: Yeah, um, you know they have to look at your twin bed before they get to the bathroom. So, I don't know who's thinking, man, this guy's got it together. Bro, it's like you, you hit
0: beeline for the twin bed, make a left, it's the bath mats. But, like, you you have, you have to address the twin bed before you ever hit the bath mats. You here, do. You here's do. the thing. Here's the thing. I did buy new sheets uh, for the twin bed. Okay. I did. At Target? At Target. Oh. I okay. mean, look, hey, hey, it's, it's, we're balling on a budget. You know,
1: I'm, I'm just saying, like, if, you, if you're working with a twin bed, you don't need to be dropping money at Crate and Barrel, right, <laughs> or at, like, Nordstrom, right, Right? because, like, that's just kind of a waste. So I feel like Target sheets for your twin bed, that's respectable. But let's, let's not undersell
0: my twin bed here. Like, the twin bed is a nice twin bed, okay? Uh, is it it's, a sleep number? It is not a sleep number.
1: Okay, because I would is. stop making fun of you today. It's like if as, it was a sleep number.
0: It's like as nice as you can be without it being a Tempur Pedic.
1: Do oh, okay, all right. Well, do you know what I do before summer camp? We just had our summer camp debrief. Please tell. I before summer camp, I actually go to Target and I buy twin sheets.
0: Yeah, your grocery. Because
1: this. because they're cheap and terrible, and I take them to summer camp, use them for the two weeks that were there, and then I just throw them away.
0: That's because you're a germaphobe, but also, also like I
1: kind of get that at
0: the same time. Now, I
1: don't know, I don't but know if since I can this, that. this was big for me though, because normally I would also buy a pillow to take with me to summer camp because I don't want it. my pillow is a sacred, sacred thing that is for my bed and my hair only, right? Like it is, it is a precious <laughs> thing. I invested in my pillow. Okay. I love the right, thing. Right. Right. And normally I would just buy a pillow to take to summer camp. But this year, since we were there for two weeks, I was like, I care about my well being too much. And so I brought my own pillow to summer camp. And that I feel like a- that was a big step forward in my maturity. And so, in the same way you bought bath mats, sorry, a singular bath mat.
0: For your bathroom, <laughs> we don't have bath mats. Money, plural. We got <laughs> so, one. Bath- yeah, you get one
1: wife. It's so the yeah. way the world works. <laughs> it's like it's like you put one by the sink and one yeah. by the shower. But yeah. right now, we just have one by the shower. Just give um, one by the shower. But but your big step was bath mats, and my big step was taking my pillow to summer camp. I feel like we're becoming more like Christ. And and here's here's where it gets deep, right? Mm. Us becoming more like Christ You buying bath mats and maturing Isn't about the fact that you went and bought a bath mat right? The fact that you went and accomplished something is great But it's the heart transformation yes, That had to happen inside of you yes, To sir. say hey I need to go do this Because I realize I need to mature into this new person <laughs> That'll preach That's Straight on. out of the Bible that, well, so, the, that was good. Hey, that's that's solid, man. Um, I, I, I'm I, gonna preach out at camp next year. That's what my I, workshop's gonna be.
0: I do feel like I'm at this weird transitional point where, like, my students don't think I'm young anymore, um, even though like I'm 25, turning 26 soon. Like, they yeah. view me as like a 45 year old man, but I don't view yeah. myself as a 45 year old year old man. I view myself as a 17 year old, and so Who, like, like scrolls I, on
1: TikTok while they poop. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure old men do that. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it's true. Um, it's true.
0: But I feel like I'm in between these two different worlds. So I'm like, okay, like this. This is a step towards me, like unironically owning New Balances one day. This is a step towards <laughs> me becoming a man. Um, and the it's all, it's all about that father. memory foam.
1: That those New Balance memory foam ridiculous. All right, it's very true. I I think I'll be wearing New Balances in the next five years. I'm calling it right now. <laughs> White New Balances with the blue with the blue logo on the side. I'll
0: you probably you get like you won't buy white new laces. You will not buy New.
1: That's. Shoes. Um, I just thought of our intro for the next podcast. Stick around if you want to hear that story. But <laughs> welcome back, everyone. My name is Victor, and I am a student pastor in North Carolina. <laughs> and my name is Reagan
0: Jones, also a student pastor at a local church in North Carolina. And welcome to Sanctified Ish conversations with pastors who have not figured it out Um, clearly, clearly. And the the part of that tagline is we always throw in there conversations with pastors, because that is what we do. Um, Both Vic and I are student pastors um, and local churches in North Carolina. We love what we get to do. uh, But being a pastor is not all of who we are. And I think especially for people young in ministry, people who are young in their jobs Um, even like students who are wrestling with sports and things that you want to pursue, what you do can so easily become who you are. And that's what we get to talk about today. Like God has said things of us, like he's called us sons. He's called us daughters. He's given us identities and he's also given us this really good thing called work. And so how do we not let our work become entirely who we are, but also how do we acknowledge it as a really good thing? And that's what we get to talk about today.
1: Yeah, and I think this is something that when I look back across my life, you know, I realize that this is something that I have probably struggled with throughout my like throughout my entire life even before I was working. Like I like how you brought up students because when I was in middle school and high school, I played hockey and hockey yeah. was like I was trying to get scouted, I wanted to play in college. That became like a big piece of who I was and it almost became like an identity. Um yeah. And then as I kind of had gotten older, it was like the desire to want a relationship and the desire to like, want to have a girlfriend that became like a huge part of who I was. And, and now, now that I'm stepping into like the work world, the temptation here is, is to let the things that I do or the things that I accomplish in work become the thing that i am and so i think this may be one of the most important podcasts that are important conversations that we've had maybe to date because if we get this wrong we have a skewed perspective of what the rest of our life is going to look like and a skewed perspective of what the gospel declares over us what god declares over us so that's why i think this is so key
0: yeah, I, I love that you brought it back to students here, because I think the, the easy thing here is to be like, well, this is just for people in ministry. And this is just for yeah. people who do Jesus professionally. And it, it, it is, and I think we'll get to that. But like, I think this premise starts with like you making your identity whatever you want it to, like your passion, your goal, your dreams, your work, what, your children, like whatever it is, you making whatever you want, your personal identity. And that happens whether or not you work in ministry or not. Um, Like I think Vic said, it started with him with hockey. For me, it started with basketball. And I was 16, 17 years old, also trying to get recruited. And I remember like vividly my junior year of high school going into Chris's break. I was averaging like 17.1 points per game. And I had a really bad game. I had like 12 points, 11 points, something like that it dropped below a 17 points. I was like averaging 16.7 and it ruined my entire Christmas break, like ruined everything. Like I hated Christmas. I hated my gifts. I hated my time. And I couldn't wait till I could get that points per game back up there because every ounce of my self worth was put into how many points did I score? Am I getting recruited? Where am I moving up the ladder? Like my identity was something that I could control. And then like you just said, the flip side of that is like, I did go and play in college. And what I realized yeah. is that like, Hey, I'm great for a, a public high school in DC. I'm like average for college. Like our point guards are six, six. So I come in as a six, six center and I'm like, well, what are you going to do there? Um, yeah. and when I didn't play much my first couple of years now, like I've built my identity as basketball and this is who I am. And now when, I go to college and it's not the same. Now you have this big gap between who I've been my entire life and the reality of what I'm walking in right now. Um, And also the reality for every single athlete is sports ends at some point. So whether it's in high school or middle school or college or like even LeBron James has to walk away from basketball at some point. Like most people, when they head out of college into the work world, feel this gap of identity. It's like, I'm not who I was in college. I'm not who I was in high school. The things that I'm good at for 22 years, no longer apply in my life. So what, what, what do I do? Who am I? And we try to wrestle through our twenties and try to find some sense of worth and identity. And I think that's why work, especially for people in our mid twenties, because that's the thing that you can quantify yourself by. That's the, that's the thing that will tell you how good you are based off of the title or the amount of money you get or whatever it is. Um, but it starts way, way back in high school. Like you, you mentioned.
1: Yeah. I, I find it really interesting. I did this thing with my students, um, a couple months ago and I I started pulling them aside, just having like one-on-one conversations with them during church. And I would ask them two questions. I would ask them, what do you do and who are you? Yeah. And the, the, interesting thing was is when i asked my students what they did i would get a variety of really quick answer i'm a dancer i'm a gamer i'm a sports player i'm an athlete i lift weights i am an academic i do all these things and then i ask my students and mind you those answers came really quick what do you do Boom, boom, boom 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 super easy to rattle off yeah and then i would ask my students who are you who is victor who is Reagan? Like at a deep fundamental level, who are you? Yeah. And I would say nine out of ten students said, I don't know. Yeah. I don't have an answer to that. I don't know. Can you rephrase the question? And I think, it sh- I think this proves a, a, at a fundamental level that we do not wrestle with some of the more important <coughs> questions in our life because we're so consumed by the things that we do. Yeah. And when I say 9 out of 10 students said I don't know, the other one said that who they are is what they do. So he, yeah. so he was like I'm an academic or I'm a I'm a sports player, or, I'm an athlete. And so I think like the answer I was looking for is like I'm a Christ follower, I'm made in the image of God. I'm like these like these yeah. deep, not even necessarily profound, just these deep and true things fundamentally about these students that's true for all of us and I would I would probably say that if you ask that question even to adults like adult Christ followers yeah man you would get a very similar survey result very similar
0: yeah yeah and I think the, the biggest thing you just pointed out with that is I think the things that we do can be taken away and will be taken away Like even if you have the best mind in the world, like eventually your mind fades. It happened to Albert Einstein. Like uh, eventually your mind withers and fades. You put your your stock in who you are as an athlete. Eventually sports ends and your body fades away. Um, So like these things that we do, eventually there will come a point where that will move on. You get fired. Like something happens where that is no longer possible for you to do. And when that happens yeah. now, like your identity is just shot completely. But the things that like you're looking for, they're like child follow or a uh, child of God, Christ follower made in the image of God. Those are things that are inherently given to you. They are titles bestowed upon you that you can't yeah. lose. And yeah. so like what, if you do get fired, if your brain does wither away, if you do tear an ACL and can never play basketball again. You are still made in the image of God. You are still a Christ follower. You are still a son. You are still a daughter, and those are things that can never be taken away from you. Um, yeah. And so, Vic, Vic, here's here's where I want to turn this conversation real quick because I think where I think we can start with this as it's very hard to figure out what you do if you don't know first who you are. Yeah. So let's kind of let, let let's dive deep into that first. Like, what does the Bible say about who we are? Because we are not naming who we are. Um, that, 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 that's just a false kind of grabbing something out of the air. Like, what does the Bible say about who we are and what has God said of us?
1: Yeah. I first love that you brought up the fact that we do not name who we are. Like, Even, I mean, even at a super practical level, like, we don't choose our name that our parents give us, right? Like, it's just something that is bestowed upon you. So even from a very practical level, like, we don't really get a say in in that. And when we look at Scripture, I mean, we can go all the way back to to Genesis. And, I mean, it is very clear that we are not only just how scripture describes it as like the peak or the pinnacle of God's creation. That means that we are made in his image. Yeah. And I think, I think we take the fact that we're made in God's image for granted. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think we have a true understanding or a true reverence for what that means, because if we did, that would define, I think at a larger scale, who we are. And, and, that just means a couple of things like one it means that our our life has intrinsic value yeah. Like, yes, we are sinners in need of, of a Savior, and, and our sin does separate us from God, and we can talk about that. And, and what Calvinists will do a lot of times, or what these like hyper-reformed people will do, is use sin as kind of like this excuse to say that like we're worthless or we're purposeless or yeah. that we're just not worth it. But what Scripture is is very clear about— is that from the beginning, Christian or not, your life as a human being made in the image of God has intrinsic value because if it didn't, God wouldn't have wasted his time to die for it. Yeah. And so that's what we have to start to to really understand. And when we begin to see glimpses of that, I think that'll start to shape the way that we live our life. And that'll begin to transform the things that we do because we do the things that we do out of that lens rather than switching it around like we often do.
0: Yeah. I, I love that you just said, whether you're a Christian or not, like this is who you are. Like, humanity is made in the image of God, not just Christ followers, but humanity is made in the image of God. Um, and that's not, not gonna be something that someone who doesn't follow Jesus or doesn't know or understand God is going to say off the bat about themselves, but that is what God has spoken over all of humanity. The first and foremost, you were made in my image, you have value, and that can never be taken away from you. Um, and so when those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, we, we, we go to him, we call him father, in return, he now calls us sons and calls us daughters. And I think this has been the biggest thing for me. Like First John three one says, "See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God." And so are we. Like that that thing, like that father son, that father daughter relationship, it's so big in the Bible, and I think we miss it. Yeah. That yeah. Like that that father relationship, the Father gave everything to the Son, and so like think like the the, the parable of the. Oh my gosh! What um, what's the parable? The boy that ran away. The name of it. Oh, the prodigal son. Prodigal son. Good lord! Why am I blanking on that? <laughs> um, the the parable of the prodigal son. When when he runs yeah. away and he comes back, the father gives him everything that is his house. Like he puts a ring on his on on his yeah. on his finger. He puts a robe on his shoulder. He throws a party for him. Like he gives him everything that is his and our heavenly father does the exact same thing for us. So yeah. it's like he has this inheritance, he has this this like this abundance of peace, his abundance of love, this abundance of mercy and he freely gives that to his sons and daughters and that is a benefit of being called a child of god. So not only is humanity yeah. starting with like the base of like hey, you are made in his image, but followers of his children of his get the inheritance of heaven which is all of these amazing things that he freely gives to us.
1: And it's just so very fascinating to read how scripture talks about humanity. And I, I love that you brought up the prodigal son. And I mean, I feel like there's so much that we could even dive into with this in that story, but notice even in the first chapter of the Bible, The Genesis one thirty one kind of concludes after this creation narrative where it's, you know, day one he created this, day two he created this, day three he created this. And and what, what Moses records there in Genesis 1 is that God says it was good. God creates the light and the darkness and it was good. He creates livestock and the fish and the sea and the water and the ground and it was good. And then he created man in his image, both male and female and at the end of the 6th day god said it was very good. Yeah. And English is just unfortunately doesn't do scripture's original language justice here. Yeah. Because the word that is used there and i would encourage you to go look it up. We've referenced some some materials that can help you do this. Blue letter bible is a phenomenal one. But that word very there has major emphasis as in this is the pinnacle this is what god is proudest of this is this is in his image and i i just i think we unfortunately miss it we just miss it like we don't get it and i think this happens for a couple of reasons one i think we miss it because christians just in general probably don't do a good enough job of seeking the lord in this right yeah. like i think we have a general responsibility as Christ followers to walk in this. I also think some of the blame here falls on church leaders, whether you are a small group leader, pastor, worship leader, like if you are some form of leadership in the church, because this is something that we should be discipling our people through. And I don't hear this conversation happening nearly enough yeah. among Christian leaders. And, and that's an unfortunate thing because this is like If we understand this, then really like the rest of the Bible really begins to make sense because this is this is a core foundation, like who we are and why we're created is like one of these fundamental pieces of understanding the gospel and why we're here. Um, And those conversations just don't happen enough.
0: Isn't isn't that the whole reason like sin came into the world is that we could not be content enough in what God had said of us. So it's like, God told Adam and Eve, Hey, like you're mine. I've given you this specific role, but then the devil comes in and says like, did God really say this of you? Like, are you sure you can't be like him? Are you sure you can't make your identity? You can't make yourself what you want. Um, and, and and I think that's the thing, Like, like we're, we're, we're painting this really awesome picture of like, man, you have a value that can never be taken away from you. You have an abundance of peace and love and joy and mercy and inheritance that yours, you have access to the kingdom of God that can never be taken away from you. Those are the things that we're looking for, are we not? Like those are the things that a relationship never gave me. Those are the things that basketball never gave me. Those are the things that ministry has never given me. But yet we spend so much time building our entire lives on these identities that we think will give us those things when God has already freely given them to us. And like, we know that, but yet our heart still falls away from it. And we can go all the way back yeah. to Genesis three and see Adam and Eve make that same mistake. Like yep. they know what God has said. They know what God has spoken over them, yet they still choose to speak it over themselves in a different way.
1: Um, we like when I read Genesis just like one through three when i'm reading this kind of like adam and eve story it is so easy for me to read that and be like what was going through y'all's mind like how dare you adam how dare you eve to be so easily deceived he said not to eat the apple or whatever it was like don't eat the apple yeah it's simple yeah and i do it every day multiple times i choose what i want because I want to do what I want more than I want to do what God wants, and it takes some like, it's a pretty convicting thing. Yeah. When you begin to realize, it's like, oh, I would have done the same thing, probably a little quicker. Yeah. I, I'm just as at fault as Adam and Eve were in that moment because I'm guilty of the exact same thing. Well, and that's the
0: beauty. That's the beauty of God is because again, bringing yeah. it back to the prodigal son. It's like when we do mess up again and again and again and again, the thing that he still freely gives you is the worth that you can never lose and the sonship, the daughtership, the inheritance that you can never be taken away. So every time we do go our own way and we do come back, he still runs out to meet us. He still gives us all these really awesome things and he's excited to see us and he welcomes us back home. Um, And that right there is the foundation of who we are we he he is not changing therefore what he has said of us cannot change um and so out of that man here's here's the really here's the thing that i want um what i want to say like john mark comer wrote this book uh i believe it's called garden city um it's a whole book about how work is actually good and what you do is a good thing so like basketball is a good thing hockey is a good thing ministry is a good thing these things that you do are good things and God has given you those passions to steward um and so but it, but it needs to be put in his proper place and so out of yeah. this identity that like whatever I do in my life I'm still a son I'm still a daughter I still have value that can never be taken away where do we go from here into how does that impact what we do
1: yeah I love that you brought that up because I think this is the shift in thinking that has to happen. Who we are and what we do are not separate things. That's good. Like they're they're not two individual things that operate separately. What happens is is we often allow what we do to define who we are. That's good. But we hold we up, hold actually up,
0: Hold on, hold on, hold on. Say that again. Say that again. Say that again.
1: We we often allow what we do to define who we are. Come on. But what God is calling us to is allowing who we are to define what we do. Yes, sir. And so this is where our callings and our passions come into play. And I'll use a personal example here. It's like my my passion is video games and streaming. If you're watching on TikTok or you're watching the YouTube video, you can see my room is like set up for content creation and YouTube and video it's games got those and TikTok streaming. It's it got those TikTok <laughs> lights. And for what I did for so long, for probably about six years, is I was just solely focused on being a content creator. And that was what I did and that was who I was. And then I sold everything, went to seminary. God called me into ministry And God began to work in my heart and allowed me to redefine who I was by what the Bible says. Yeah. Well, now God has allowed me to pick back up my passion. But now I'm not a content creator or a video game player because that's who I am. Yeah. Now I get to take the gospel that transforms me and who I am in Christ, I've actually allowed that to impact how I play video games. That's awesome. So the relationships that I build when I'm playing video games, the people that I meet when I'm creating content, now I'm viewing these as gospel opportunities. Yeah. Now I'm building relationships where where I get to speak into people's lives and get to get to share the gospel and and get to do all of these really cool things because who I am is rooted in what God has declared over me yeah. and he's allowing me to use my passions as an outlet to express who I am. Yeah. And that's when the shift happens. Yeah. That's when students, when you're playing sports, you're not a soccer player. You are someone created in the image of God who God has allowed to play soccer. And so therefore you have a team of soccer players that you get to interact with and share yeah. the gospel. Yeah. Students that are very academically minded, you you excel at grades, not because you're really smart, because that's who you are, but because maybe you have the opportunity to tutor some people and build relationships and share the gospel. Like, God has strategically placed you in whatever environment he has, not because he wants what you do to define who you are, but because he wants who you are to impact all of the people around you. Yeah. Yeah. But if we don't know who we are in christ none of that is possible
0: bro and i i struggle with that so much um like the the enneagram does not define every aspect of you are but like i'm an enneagram three through and through and so like i want to achieve i want to achieve i want to achieve i want to achieve and so like my achievements come to define me so like what I do and people's value of what I do has a lot of effect on what I view about myself. Um, And that has, whether it's basketball or ministry or anything else in life. And so like, I've really wrestled with what you've just said, not having what I do define who I am, but actually understanding and taking a deep dive into scripture, what God has said about me and allowing that to free up what I do. Um, And like, here's the thing, like, who I am in Christ actually when I've understood that it hasn't changed what I've done. It's just freed me up to do it. Yes. So I think that that's the thing I've realized in ministry. It's like, I think especially early on in ministry, I'm still very early in ministry, but I think I did it and what I did in ministry defined who I was. So if people thought I was a great preacher, that's awesome. If people thought like I was really in touch with student culture, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, that defined who I was. My, what I do hasn't changed over the last three or four years, but I now know honestly through ministry and realizing that like ministry is a dry well in and of itself and having to go back into scripture, understand my identity, know that God wants me to be with him more than he wants me to work for him. And so like understanding (laughs) that has now freed me up to go and do ministry. Yep. Where if like someone yep. tells me I'm a great preacher or I'm a sucky preacher, someone tells me I'm a great pastor or a sucky pastor, my entire world doesn't fall apart because yes. my identity is rooted in what God has already spoken of me. And man, that just gives so, so much freedom. So much freedom. Yeah.
1: And I think that's a really good litmus test to understand or to figure out what you hold so high in your life that it's actually defining who you are yeah. like what is that one thing that if taken away yeah that if removed if it's a boyfriend or girlfriend if it's an activity that you participate in if it's a job that you work if it's the grades that you earn what is the thing that if it's removed from your life permanently you cannot function as you For the rest of your life Yeah And for me It was when Man when I was younger I had this relationship That I really Like coveted Taken away from me And it sent me into The six month spiral Of not knowing who I was I had nothing Because all of my identity Was wrapped up in this thing Yeah And when it was taken away What do I have left? Yeah And ultimately it was because I wasn't seeking God so my identity wasn't found in him, yeah. and maybe you know maybe this will help people who are considering ministry because I feel like ministry is just like the waters get a lot grayer in this area or or <laughs> maybe not grayer they just become more difficult to discern it's murky because we are operating in ministry doing God's work quote unquote for a vocation. And so what Satan wants to try and do as much as possible is to convince us to keep doing what we do because it's for God that eventually what we do, the events we put on, the meetings we hold, the people we develop, the bosses we report to become who we are rather than what Jesus has declared true about us. And it's so easy, at least for me, to fall into that trap. Yeah. Mainly because one, I'm probably, I'm very new and don't have a lot of experience in ministry. And so I'm still learning a lot. Yeah. But I feel like I've talked with pastors who, who have been seasoned in the ministry for 30 plus years who struggle with the same exact thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with you there. Um, this is definitely something that I struggle with a lot too. Um, and I think this is a good way to kind of round third and head home here. Um, I love that you just mentioned like, this doesn't have to be like a ministry job. It doesn't have to be like sports, like even a relationship, like anything that you put in that place of like, if it gets taken away, like my life falls apart and everything is broken. Um, and here's a good thing. Like that has happened to me in life multiple times. Yeah. Multiple times. Um, and that's because my heart is stubborn. And so like, just because that thing got taken away, like first it was basketball, basketball got taken away. It gets replaced with something else. Um, so it's not always the thing. There's an underlying root that I want to make my identity into something that, that I see worth and I see value in that I can make a name for myself in this. And here's yeah. the beautiful thing about God is he's gracious enough. Like you just said to yank that thing down and break our heart a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so there may be someone going through here. Like I've gone through this multiple times or like you're heartbroken that you got fired. And your entire life was built around this job. You're heartbroken that that relationship ended, that everything you were was tied up into that other person. You're heartbroken that you broke your hand and can't play your senior season. Like yeah. you, you, you you, have this thing that you're built around, but here, here's the amazing thing about the Bible. David says, and let the bones that he has broken rejoice. Yeah. That it's like, that bone cannot properly heal until it's broken. Like, I, I broke my arm in two places once when I was 16 years old. And they actually, when I went to the doctor's office, they said, hey, if we don't break this completely, your bone will not heal correctly. Yeah. And so they actually ended up breaking the bone even further and resetting it so that my arm would heal correctly. And in the same way, we must be broken completely in order to be healed correctly. And so the good thing is, man, like if you are broken completely right now, here's the good news. God wants to heal you completely and he wants to replace whatever he tore down. He wants to replace that with himself because there's a value that you can never lose. There's a joy that is just overflowing. There's a love. There's a mercy and grace that is never going to end, that is freely given to you, that is so much better So much better. And every time he's gracious enough to tear down those idols and give
1: us that instead. There's this, there's this picture that Paul paints and there's this thing that, that Paul describes as this thorn in his flesh. And it's this thing that he wants rid of. And what a lot of commentators and theologians say is that Paul was praying that this thorn would be removed because Paul was fully convinced that if this thorn was removed, he could be more effective for God. Like he could do his ministry better. Whatever this thorn was, Scripture isn't clear about what it was, but whatever it was, Paul was convinced that if he didn't have it anymore, he could be more effective for God. And here, here's where it gets really convicting. And it was that God didn't want Paul to be tangibly more effective for him. God wanted Paul to surrender his full self in his strengths and in his weaknesses. Yeah. And so God responds to Paul and says, My grace is sufficient for you. And Paul's immediate response to that. Was Amen. Therefore, I'll rejoice in my afflictions, my calamities, my persecutions, my sufferings, because Paul was reminded in that moment of who he was as a Christ follower and was far less concerned about what he could accomplish as a Christ doer. Yeah because he knew that his identity was rooted in what Christ has declared over him and not about how effective he could be for Jesus. And now looking back thousands of years, we can see that Paul was not only one of the first and greatest missionaries to ever live, but he also contributed to well over half of the new Testament. Yeah. And it's like, are we okay with surrendering our weaknesses to Jesus So that we might be able to walk in who he has called us to be. Yeah, And yeah, that might mean not playing your senior year. That might mean stepping away from a job you really love. That might mean putting a hobby down that you've enjoyed for years. Whatever that thing is, it might mean giving it up Mm -hmm. or surrendering it. But the thing that God's calling you into is far greater. And so... I think that's a good spot to to kind of end this my my don't I reach. guess my challenge. I don't I don't think we'll I don't think we end on challenges all that much, but I think this is a challenge that even I'm going to take and do after we're done recording this. It's like, man, what is the ask yourself, what is the thing that if removed today would incapacitate me as a human being? If God took something out of my life, what would it be that would absolutely destroy me? My paycheck my job, my friends and relationships, my hobbies, my passions. What is it? What do I hold in such high esteem that would cripple me because I've allowed it to define who I am? Yeah. Try it. Ask yourself the question. You may not like the answer, but, man, that is proof that God's working on your heart. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll preach. Well, yeah, that'll preach. 40 minutes. Dang, that went by so fast.
0: Yeah, honestly, it really did. I was I was shocked with that. That's
1: crazy. <laughs> yeah, I I just looked down at that counter and was like, oh, we gotta we gotta go. We've been here. So for on a that note, yeah. If you want to email us, send us your thoughts. We we love to hear from you. Um, you can never email us too much. Uh, wink, wink. You know who you are. Um, we love hearing <laughs> from you guys and um, we love responding. Like it gives us food for thought. If you absolutely hated something that we said, um, if you disagree with us, let us know too. We want to grow in these areas, we want to look more like Jesus, and so any ways that you guys can help us do that is more than welcome. Email us sanctifiedish at gmail.com. Check us out on TikTok, Sanctified Dash ish. On TikTok, you can also check out our personal pages. At Reagan Jones97. You gotta be careful right now because on TikTok you have a lot of these like sorority girl like TikToks this coming is like out. The fourth and so when you type a row,
0: you've said this. When you
1: type Reagan in, you, you might get some of that. So just be careful. Um you won't have any trouble finding me at RotsIf157, <laughs> the one and only. You can also find my band account at Rotsiv underscore one five seven. Um, there is gold on that as well. Band Guys, account. Oh, get back into oh, oh, oh The gold oh, account. Oh. The I have I Hold have on. a TikTok with like 8.9 million views on that I account. I thought you started a
0: band when you said my band account.
1: Oh! I was like, wait! I, I
0: play I play the guitar. I got, <laughs> I got my alt rock cover band TikTok over it on the <laughs> side. We do Harry Styles
1: covers on the weekends. Like, I play I play the guitar, you know. Got to get myself some some of that guitar action, all right? It's the best thing ever. Yeah. Um guys, this is episode 21. So thank you guys for sticking with us and we will catch you on the next one. Until next time, take care and God bless. Nothing witty going to say something snarky. I was going to say <laughs> Podcast over.